0: You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. A segment uh, that is uh, tailor-made uh, by none other than our very own Ibrahim Badacha. And Alhamdulillah, Ibrahim Badacha's uh, segment, Travel Express. Uh, he's my Ibrahim Ba. And I know all of you already uh, love listening to him when he comes onto to his segments. And also, you know, doing sterling work with me on Coffee Express. Ibrahim Ba. as Alaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa and uh, tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening on your segment, Travel Express, Ibrahim Ba?
1: alaikum salam, warahmatullahi wa, wa brother Shafat, and our listeners to Radio Murkat Sahaba out there. Alhamdulillah, it's a beautiful evening. Uh, glad to be living, of course. And by the kudrat of Allah, Alhamdulillah, everything is good.
0: Yeah, uh, as you say, everything is doing, uh, good. And, uh, you know, we enjoy. The different uh, scenarios that we see in our lives, but uh, you know, Ibrahimba, I think we're living in exciting times. And uh, you know, what really uh, amazed me, and uh, you know, that article that came through, is uh, you know, SAA turns a surprise profit after billions in bailout. Now, I mean, how can this be possible, Ibrahimba?
1: Well, look, the thing is, it, it uh very, to put it very simply, Brother Shafad, if you've got the right people running the operation, it's bound to turn a profit. The thing is, if you've got all the uh, wrong people there, people that are sort of put in place just because of uh, who they're connected to or if their color is right, and if they know absolutely nothing about the business of running an airline, which is quite a specialized field, then you can rack up uh, billions of losses very quickly. And similarly, as you can see, they, they turned a the profit. I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are, but I would think uh, something like about 505 uh, million compared to a loss that was shown previously in the hundreds of uh, millions. So uh, it just goes to show what can be done when you have the proper management in, in place. And unfortunately, like all the other state-owned enterprises, they have been run into the ground. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, It's this deal I think they're doing with uh, Takatsu and all that sort of thing that uh, hopefully will all go well where there's private entities that are coming in and putting in their money, of course, with certain guarantees and not wanting this, that, or the other uh, appointments to the board and things like that. I I think it's, it's something that is heartening, something that is long overdue in view of the fact that we've lost so much of money not to talk about the reputation of the airline is in tatters. And of course, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the trust and faith uh, has been uh, severely compromised uh, with all the, uh, uh, you know, misguided or ill-advised or ill-conceived uh, sort of plans and, and decisions that were made by, I think there was that one lady, to do someone or the other that the courts were brutal and they said she should never be allowed to be in any managerial or director position again in her life. So if someone's going to tell you something like that, you can imagine what was going on when it was.
0: You know, Ibrahim, uh, a valid point indeed. And that happened to be, I think, uh, Zuma's appointment and so forth. And she uh, really, uh, you know, nosedived the whole airlines. They say he really nosedived badly then. And uh, then, you know, you look at these uh, stewards and uh, these flight attendants and all of them uh, that work on these airlines. And I remember many years ago, I had, uh, you know, a young man that I knew very uh, well, who's passed on since. But he was, uh, you know, one of these attendants and flight stewards. But I believe that, uh, you know, it's a glorified job, but they get paid. It's a prittance, Ibrahimovic. Talk to us about that scenario.
1: Yeah, it's just a glorified waiter in the air. That's all you are. I mean, if you if you weren't flying, mm. what would you be, really? Just a waiter or a waitron or whatever in just any sort of uh, restaurant, cafe or coffee shop or whatever you care to name. So uh, I guess uh, it has a time and place in, in the life of the uh, younger set, maybe the youth who don't have what it takes to travel globally or internationally. And uh, it appeals to them being single, uh, you know, fancy free, footloose, and the rest of it, uh, to get to see the great outdoors and see the world out there, you know, albeit working. But uh, no, the pay the pay is not something wonderful. On the contrary, it is a very, very like the pilots, it's a very disruptive sort of lifestyle, and it's not conducive to having any, uh, how shall I say, decent or solid. Uh, relationships a vis-a-vis being married and with children etc and family responsibilities because uh, the schedules uh, are something that is not within your control you just get posted on route a b c d or f or whatever the case may be and you just got to rise and shine and uh, be ready for business at the appointed hour and time and place so obviously whichever part of the world you are going to the thing is, you just got to show up, uh, pitch up and do your thing. So uh, it's not something that, uh, you know, people like us or the normal office worker, whether it's 8 to 5 or 9 to 5 or whatever it is, that has a fixed routine and you know that you can be home by a certain time and things like that. No, it does look very glamorous from the outside. But on the inside, at the end of the day, it's it's just another job. And uh, I guess it will appeal to some uh, segment of the population, but uh, not necessarily
0: all. Yeah, uh, Ibrahim then getting to the nitty-gritty of it, uh, flights, uh, let's see if any surnames come off my head that I know know them personally that are, you know, flying or captains of planes and all. I think one is a Bahad, one is a Olga and uh, one is a Mohammadi and Mm. uh, these are pilots. I mean the the, the fathers uh, put them through and uh, perhaps, you know, as fathers, I mean, to become a pilot you need all those uh, flying airs uh, a, a you know a, what do you call it airtime, and uh, but each hour costs uh, something like four, five, five grand an hour ten grands an hour, Ibrahimba. But how yeah, many yeah. do you know that are, that are flying uh, commercial airlines?
1: Well, look, there's quite a few, and Alhamdulillah, there's also some uh, some females as well. We mustn't forget and Muslims at that as well. So hats off to them because it's not uh, something that comes cheap. You've got to have a a yearning for it. You've got to have, uh, you know, the skills for it. You've got to know uh, which direction you're flying, first of all, notwithstanding the instrumentation. But, uh, you know, all those things, uh, including uh, mathematics, uh, geography, and all the rest of it, uh, you've got to have, you've got to be a smart cookie, basically, if you want to get up there into the cockpit and uh, be able to, uh, how shall I say, pilot, One of these machines, I mean, even though they are considerably expensive, more important than the expense of the aircraft itself is the passengers that you are carrying, you know, so it's a huge responsibility, one that is quite onerous. And the thing is, uh, just being able to pilot an aircraft is just just one part of your 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 responsibility. I mean, the rest of it, you know, from the time, you know, you're doing all the flight planning, the groundwork before you finally don your uniform and get out there with your, uh, what's the name, uh, co-pilot and the rest of the crew and check the aircraft out and get it ready for takeoff and get the people safely to their destination. There's a lot of stuff that goes in between. Uh, Personally, I had the uh, opportunity of sitting in the cockpit many times, uh, especially when going to uh, uh, Mecca. Saudi Arabia to Jeddah, and of course those flights will always be invariably overbooked. And sometimes if you are lucky, you got to sit in a cockpit and believe me, far from actually flying the plane like you drive a car and you're so focused, once you're up into the air and you hit the autopilot, you know, you're just flying in the night into a blackness and nothingness and it is uh, quite disarming, really, for someone that isn't accustomed to it. But then uh, if you watch everybody in the business of doing things, uh, first officer and everybody else, navigator and all that sort of thing, they're all sitting and uh, looking over, you know, reams of uh, charts and papers and pumping uh, fuel from this side to the other. So it's quite a complicated uh, business, and uh, that is why it is important uh, that the pilot has the right kind of uh, crew ar- around him as well. And uh, a lot of it goes into, you know, getting you from A to B. We just think of uh, fasten your seatbelts and the next thing you know, you wherever you are, be it Durban, or Cape Town. But a uh, lot of it that uh, goes into it. And again, I salute all those people that have become, uh, you know, first-rate pilots. And uh, you will recall in yesterday, uh, South African Airways had uh, – some of the best in the world pilots that were often uh, headhunted and sought after by all the other airlines of the world.
0: You know, I, uh, Ibrahim Ba whilst you're talking, and I can envisage you and I, I mean, I say this all in, in a lot of humility, but I've been world class pilots. I know, you know how to fly on air. <laughs> <Yeah>, we could <laughs> fly on that. Because uh, even, you know, in, in Durban Harbor, I had the opportunity of, uh, you know, being with the captains and the mm. pakistani captains, they took to me in such a big way they then aba aba na jao na jao abhi yahan se maiden wharf se what container terminal sir i mean come sit with us on the bridge we let you handle the steering in this i said no man you know how long it took from maiden wharf to uh, to the container terminal Ibrahimba, Just mm. to move that uh, big ship it took us two and a half hours and wow. i said are they ko kya waqt he did, I thought it would take about 10 minutes just to take it and to turn it mm. and to do different things. But I'm glad I did it. And as soon as uh, we birthed, then the, the ship shandling company, you know, one of them picked me up and took me back to Maiden to my car. But it was such an experience. And you could see, you know, you have to be meticulous and you have to have that type uh, of uh, aptitude and all that. Yeah, and good. as so plane, uh, you know, when my, they used to ask me when I was a kid what you want to become. Guess what I used to tell them, Ibrahim. Uh, I said, "When you grow Bye. up, what you wanna become?" Yeah, I told them the fa- I, I I used to call it aeroplane. Aero, or, mm-hmm. I wanna become a, a fly the aeroplane, and then they mm-hmm. said, "And after that, what you going to become?" And I said, "Yeah, I wanna become a father." <laughs> <laughs> and they used to keep on needling me. I don't know. They say when I was a kid, I used to say that all the time. But Ibrahim, you know, moving on with our topics uh, this evening, and Alhamdulillah, we have kind of medley of topics. Let's start off with the. Yeah, you know, we we spoke about the one that you spoke so eloquently about, SAA turning it around. And as you said, i like to see who those people are. And th- then we look at uh, four air travel tips to take, uh, to help you take off without stress. And that moment when that plane is about to take off, Ibrahim I mean, this weekend I had that experience. Uh, yeah, you know, when I was there in uh, Kauteng and Outing and uh, Norwood, and I went for that, yeah, uh, I think. But alhamdulillah, the takeoff moment, Ibrahimba. They want to give us uh, four a tips. Uh, you could do it on your own because I mean you've been on thousands of flights. Uh, talk to us, Ibrahimba.
1: Uh, well, look this. Uh, what these tips that we are talking about? That's coming to you courtesy of uh, one of the more popular airlines, uh, Emirates, of course. And uh, basically, they're giving you uh, tips on how you can take take off without stress uh but uh yeah if you if you are a frequent traveler then there's no problem there's no big deal but uh once you look around you, there are some people that have never travelled in their lives, and some people for the very first time some have a fear of flying and all that sort of thing and uh you if you are perceptive enough, you can read the body language and see, hey, this one's the first time or, that one's being you know flustered and agitated and you know and you can pick them out and uh, i think uh, this is uh, something that the airline uh, is putting out there just for the uh, comfort convenience and the benefit of uh, their passengers uh, which are quite uh, numerous i might i might add because uh, emirates uh, used to be i think the uh, the foremost carrier at one stage uh, and, uh, of course, there are competitors now. I think Qatar's in the driver's seat. There's also Turkish Airline that provides a damn good service as well. But coming back to the topic on hand, uh, it says, first and foremost, give yourself plenty of time, basically arrive at the uh, airport well ahead of departure time, which is common sense. And, uh Emirates, of course, are posting that they have dedicated check-in desks for premium economy flyers. Now, that's getting uh, more on vogue these days, uh, Brother Shafat, uh, uh, premium economy, where you're paying more for a slightly better seat with a bit more uh, legroom and comfort and things like that, because uh, the... uh, Prices for business and first class are now in the stratosphere and not everyone can afford it. So the next best thing, if you want a degree of uh, additional comfort and space to move in, uh, is uh, premium economy. So they're boasting the fact that they're having uh, dedicated check-in desks for Swifter, more convenient check-in for people like that. Of course, business and first class have their own uh, check-in areas and counters. And, uh, of course, uh, passengers in Dubai can take advantage of remote check-in options such as city check-in and home check-in. And number two on the uh, agenda is, of course, to ease the anxiety of uh, during the flight. You must practice some relaxation techniques like meditation, deep breathing, or try uh, knitting or doing crossword puzzles, playing soduko or something like that, or even just walking around the cabin if you can to uh, get the blood flowing again and uh, to alleviate uh, what uh, a lot of people complain about on longer haul uh, the uh, restlessness and of course uh, during uh, air travel especially again the long haul flights uh, comfort is key and uh, you got to dress right uh, wear loose fitting clothes made of soft fabrics that uh, will give when i say give mean stretch so you're not uh, you know locked into a pair of uh, denims or something that uh, you know are uncomfortable as the time goes on and uh, again they're pushing the issue of uh, generous check-in baggage allowance and carry-on limits and again i think more than anything else this is about uh, pushing uh, emirates uh, premium economy class more than uh, the tips that they're talking about and they say, lastly, leave room for complimentary food because Emirates uh, offers gourmet, reasonably inspired menus with, uh, of course, generous portions, and I can attest to that, and a variety of main courses, et cetera. And, uh, of course, if you're a Gold, Platinum, or Platinum Skyward member, you can also have access to the many lounges uh, worldwide at the airports. And... Uh, they say that if you follow these tips, you can have a smooth, stress-free journey, whether you're traveling business or leisure. So uh, that's what Emirates got to say, and
0: uh, of course, uh, punting their premium economy class. Yeah, as usual, everyone punts their own brand. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, Ibrahim, uh, you know something that I do. Uh, I'm always uh, booking any flight. I mean, if it's international or local, I like to sit by the wing. And I recently discovered that, you know, when you say uh, uh, that the wing side is where the emergency door is. Do you hmm. know you have a, a leg room? Like, uh, even if you're tall as a giraffe, you can stretch your legs miles and miles. I didn't know that. On my last trip, I discovered that. And uh, it was someone told me, do you know you got like one and a half leg room here? And I, I, I started smiling. I said, I never knew that. And uh, this is, uh, you know, when you're booking, uh, it's just I book it. And uh, I don't, I don't think you pay extra for that, Ibrahim but it's just so much of leg room there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, emergency time, they'll come and tell you, you know, I say, oh, yeah, man, I pull that handle and I just pull that and we're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. Ibrahim your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, that
1: was something we always went for, right? Uh, because there is definitely more leg room allowing for ease of uh, exit if you should, in an emergency between the seats. And uh, the thing is, uh, of late, uh, they have been uh, very smart about it insofar as uh, blocking them off and uh, either charging more for those uh, emergency row seats and, of course, restricting it to people who are of a certain age group, you know, sort of uh, on the understanding that they'll be fit enough to uh, do the necessary, like, open that and jettison that uh, emergency door if the needy push comes to shove. And uh, yeah, some people, maybe if you're a frequent flyer and you've got extra miles or something, they'll give you preference over ordinary journeys. that would just want to come and book online. So yeah, they're trying to squeeze as much money out of the uh, consumer as possible by uh, doing all these sort of things. But uh, yeah, what you said is true. There is definitely more uh, leg room. But uh, what I found is that uh, A lot of those, you don't get the ability to recline your backrest yeah, for obvious reasons on the emergency. I don't know if you tried it, but uh, that is a restriction because you can imagine the guy is leaning way back and there's the emergency and people are scrambling all over trying to get out. It
0: becomes a bit of a challenge. So, yeah. Yeah, that is a frightening thought, but a very realism thing. And, you know, I think generally for us Muslims, uh, you know, when these uh, planes are taking off, uh, the kudrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes through and you start thinking there's tons and tons of steel only by the leave of my Lord does yeah. it take off and it goes up into the sky. And I think, uh, you know, my iman, our taqwa even increases. And whilst the uh, plane is in flight mode, uh, we are in zikr mode. So, alhamdulillah, I think it's a win-win situation for most Muslims, uh, Ibrahimba.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. The thing is, you are flying closer to heaven. Of course, make no mistake about that. And uh, yeah, I think uh-huh. it is. Uh, it does give you pause of pause for thought, and uh, even more so if you're doing, uh, you know, a trip that's uh, flying uh, long distance for many hours over water. Yeah, when you know you're over a terra firma, you know, oh, there's a land down there somewhere. We'll we'll somehow make it, you know, but. <laughs> If you're going to land in the drink like if you're going say from uh, Johannesburg to uh, say Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro or somewhere that's straight across the Atlantic and that's like what maybe mm. seven eight even nine hours depending on the wind and uh, if you look down there's just a sea of blue you know and you wonder shucks if something should happen here what's going to happen to us and mm. you know, it is a it doesn't make you think about it. And of course, uh, fortunately, uh, we have that unshakable faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, thus far, we live to tell the tale that, yeah, we've uh, done the crossing many times and we are still alive and safe and sound. It's only by His kudrat of course.
0: Yeah, as Ibrahim bar uh, agrees with me, it's only by the kudrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are here to tell you the tales of the flight. Hey, no tailspin uh, there, thank Allah. Yes, Ibrahim Ba, four perfect family destinations to be considered, to consider for this, uh, you know, the talk winter school break. Me, the winter school break. Hey, kids, stay at home and enjoy the warm bhajias. <laughs> Ibrahim Ba, your <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah. surprisingly, half the year is gone. You know, we sit and talk in jest, uh, Brother Shafat. but the time seems to... Uh, forever fly away so quickly, you know. And, uh, yeah, this is just basically a rundown of four of the more interesting uh, family destinations in uh, KZN that is worth, uh, you know, either taking up or looking into for the June holidays. And uh, the first one is called a new A-N-E-W resort, and that's in the Ingeli Forest in Corkstad. And it provides a range of activities from hiking to mountain biking, bird watching, forest walks, park seasons you name it, they got it. And it is also uh, conveniently located near the and South Coast and, of course, your famous school excursion, Orubi Gorge. So all very much uh, in the mix of it. And that is on uh, the top of the list. And of course, if you're wanting a safari experience for the kids, then uh, there's the Ghost Mountain Inn, get that, ghost. there must be some ghosts strolling around there, I'm not sure, in Kuze, and it's an ideal choice. Uh, families can explore, uh, game reserves, take boat cruises, game drives, and participate in kids activities such as jungle gym play, Zulu craft, face painting, fishing, and of course, pizza making. Then, of course, we go to the Trackensburg, which has got uh, the uh, perennial favourite, the uh, Champagne Castle Hotel. And uh, that's just uh, below the Champagne Castle peak. And this offers a mix of luxurious uh, hotel accommodation and self-catering options. So uh, it's a toss-up whether you want to go on holiday and uh, cook your own and take care of the kids and or you just want to spoil yourself and go to the hotel as such. And uh, it's got diverse plant and wildlife, a rich collection of sand. Now, sand is uh, one of those tribes of way back when, rock paintings of theirs. And the hotel provides uh, all sorts of amenities like uh, guided hikes, uh, spa and wellness center, uh, fly fishing, uh, horse riding, and tennis courts. And not to be outdone is, of course, on the north coast, the Salt Rock Hotel and Beach Resort. And that's up on the north, like I said, Dolphin Coast. And it's perfect for families seeking a beach holiday. And it's got a prime beachfront position. And you can enjoy spectacular sea views, watch dolphins, and indulge in activities such as visiting visiting Monkey Land. I haven't been there yet, though. Uh, Flag Animal Farm I know of, and the I Heart Market. And of course, the Balito Ski Park. So those are the four that came up, Shams, actually, for the winter vacations uh, coming up in, in KZN uh, in June. So those with families uh, especially will deal and, of course, uh, lots to do in those places.
0: Yeah, but, and uh, many of our people love simply love Drakensberg and they go there and they'll tell each other, have you been to the Bergs? <laughs> mm. But I uh, not it' be a bit too cold to be in the Bergs, Zaba.
1: But uh, believe me, some go there praying for snow, eh? And uh, winter sometimes, if you're fortunate, you do get some snow. And it's surprising what draws them there. But look, uh, generally, I mean, the Berg, it's a lovely place to be. In fact, uh, when I get a chance, uh, you know, it isn't very frequently, uh, we go up there, you know, just for a weekend, and uh, you know, the nice fresh air. And, uh, you know, surroundings are different, and you are at one with nature. So it has this appeal, of course. And uh, they say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. So uh, I endorse that. <laughs> so if you're going to somewhere cold, you just dress in layers like an onion, and then peel off when you want or put on when you want. And that's the end of the story. And you can have the pleasure of sitting around a campfire or a nice uh, fireplace and things like that. Uh, different uh, atmosphere, I think.
0: Yeah, I like the way you said that. Peel off. Yeah, peel on and peel off. Yeah, make sure when you're going. But you know when you walk into the airport and you know, like, oh, if I'm going to Johannesburg, it's and you get the weather forecast. It's chilly there, mm-hmm. so you put two, three jackets on and you say, you know what, maybe this will be my pajamas tonight. Or you put double pants. But at yeah. the airport when you're checking in, Ibrahimba, they look at you and they say, please take off your 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 jackets. Yeah, they tell, take it off. You can only have one on. Uh, have you noticed that, Ibrahimba? Well, I wear what I wanted. Nobody's had the
1: uh, temerity to tell me to take it off. One idiot somewhere in Singapore, I was wearing a shirt over a t-shirt. He says, take Mm. your jacket. I said, which jacket are you talking about? I said, I don't have no jacket on in case you didn't realize that. And of course, I was getting flippant with him because he had no reason to tell me to do that. And uh, he carried on until such time that the supervisor came. And of course, I was getting very Technical, like an argumentative Indian can, you know, <laughs> and in the end, get the hell out of here. Uh, no, you can, you can wear layers. I think uh, if you are overweight, there is no, there's nothing stopping you from putting it on. If they're going to tell you to take the jacket off, it's just for these uh, routine, you know, so-called security checks. I don't know. How many terrorists they actually caught uh, at that check-in security check-in, if any you know that are dumb enough to go around go through things like that, but uh, it's just too inconvenient to inconvenience you and basically you fall in with the uh, with the main agenda, you know, like uh, papers, please, you know, to get you used to authority and be mm. uh, and' do as you told a oh, lot of nonsense really, in my estimation,
0: anyway, yeah. That's I, I think uh, you, you, you said that beautifully, routine irritation, I think. That's the word.
1: Yeah, the routine
0: irritation is. and how to get to you and they look at you. Oh, you're trying to get difficult. Getting funny. Are you funny. To get difficult? are yeah, getting funny. Get, so yeah. then they'll start, you know, calling this guy well, that I guy.
1: Told one, I told the one very clearly. I said, uh, you know, I just feel for you that uh, hey, either your education is so poor you know or the thing is you are not capable of doing anything better that is why you are stuck in a job like this making people's hey. life miserable, <laughs> you're a miserable. Killer, yeah yeah i gave him a look right. right back what the hell who is he anyway just because he's yeah. your a uniform doesn't mean to say he can have his way with you sorry
0: no you they need a bar to put them right Put them behind the bars, Ba. And uh, yes, alhamdulillah, You know, whilst we're chatting here, I'm quite amazed. We, you know, we hardly been through our topics. We nearly uh, ending of the show, but let's let's do one quick one here, Prime. Uh, you know, sightseeing. Uh, you know, city uh, sightseeing launches. City sightseeing. Uh, winter yeah, city yeah, yeah. sightseeing. Talk, mm-hmm. talk about that, Ba.
1: Yeah, it's it's a company that is doing this. It's called City Sightseeing. Basically, they run these uh, double decker buses. You know, the open top semi-open on top. It's uh, popular in just about any city worth its salt all over the globe. And uh, the one, it's the hop-on, hop-off bus. You join on wherever you want and join off, uh, jump off wherever you want, go and see what you want, jump back on and so on and so forth. It plies its route the whole day, depending on whichever time you take and things like that. And uh, this is very popular and a offering, of course, uh, this uh, winter specials in Cape Town and Johannesburg. You notice nothing happening in Durban because Durban's still warm. Uh, yeah, Cape Town and Johannesburg, of course, to get more people to come in during the lean season. And in Cape Town, there are over thirty stops, would you believe, uh, including iconic sites like Table Mountain, Kirstenbosch uh, Gardens, and in Johannesburg, there are multiple stops that cover famous landmarks such as Melrose Arch. Mandela Foundation, Constitution Hill, and of course, not leaving out the Johannesburg Zoo. And for families, there's a special offer where children aged between four and seventeen can enjoy the tours for only forty-nine bucks, call it fifty bucks, whatever. And kids under four, of course, travel free. And the adult fare is two hundred seventy-five. And up to two kids can travel for that 49 rand uh, uh, offer. And of course, onboard commentary is available in 15 languages. Take your pick. Most of them will go for English, Afrikaans, or one of the uh, uh, Zulu or other tribal languages. And uh, to make the most of the city sizing tours during winter, it's, uh, they give me a recommendation. Again, layer your clothing due to the fluctuating weather in Cape Town, staying hydrated. Uh, using sunscreen, blah, blah, blah. It just carries on like that. And in Cape Town, the ticket includes three by uh, three routes, the Red City Tour to Table Mountain, the Blue Mini Peninsula Tour covers Kirstenbosch, Constantia Wine Region, and Hout Bay, a beautiful part of the world, and of course, the Purple Wine Tour through Constantia Wine Area. And in Johannesburg, your ticket includes the Green Tour, which takes you past notable attractions like... As I mentioned earlier, uh, Melrose Arch, Mandela Foundation, Constitutional Hill, and the Zoo. And uh, these tips were given courtesy of City Sightseeing, who are looking to have more visitors uh, join these tours so that they can see a nicer part of the uh, city, whether it's Johannesburg or Cape Town during winter at uh, uh, competitive prices and, of course, in
0: comfort and uh, relative uh, luxury. Yeah, Ibrahim Ba, uh, absolutely, mashallah, evening with you. And as I say, when you and I talk, the baraka flows. Perhaps your parting words this evening, Ba?
1: Yeah, let's talk about truth for a change. You know, we're talking in this world of per- post truth Would you believe there is such a term? Anyway, it is said that tr- truth is not what you want it to be. It is what it is, and you must bend to its power or live a lie. And of course, in this world of fake news and propaganda, the truth is always a conspiracy. You know that. Eh? I don't know how many times they've called me a mm-hmm. conspiracy theorist, but uh, for some strange reason, all those theories are becoming fact very quickly these days. Anyway, that's my take for this evening. And again, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, our listeners out there to Radio Marcus Sahaba, and of course, everyone behind the scenes. So uh, let me bid all of you a uh, hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Yes, uh, alaikum salaam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Ibrahim Ba. The truth shall set you free. And uh, yeah, truth smashes falsehood into smithereens. Keep it locked out to uh, Marcus Sahaba for beautiful bro- uh, broadcasting. And also, uh, thank you very much, Alukalo, for brilliant engineering this evening. Time for us uh, to go, uh, yeah, to end the show. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.